Today's TribCast is presented by UT Health San Antonio. The University of Texas Health Science Center at San Antonio, now called UT Health San Antonio, is home to healers, educators, and scientists collaborating for the benefit of Texas and beyond. Learn more at uthscsa.edu. Texas talking oh, What was that that you said? Texas talking oh, Gonna hoop upside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas guys are Texas Hi, this is Texas Controller Glenn Hager. At first, I was honored to introduce the first TribCast of 2017. And then I realized the reason I was asked is because I haven't even announced the biennial revenue estimate yet. After I announce my revenue estimate next week, there may not even be a TribCast, as the state may need to seek donations from the Trib and all of its donors. Anyway, enjoy this week's TribCast while you still can. And now, here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the first TribCast of 2017. I'm joined by CEO Evan Smith. So, no, so we don't have, we can't hear the intro in here. So, do, do you know who the intro was? Montel Williams. It was not Montel Williams. <laughs> First of all, it was not Montel Williams. That would Williams. be excellent. Why and not? second Why of not? all, you gave away next week's intro. However, it bears a startling resemblance to Montel Williams. Is it Montel was, Williams doing the revenue estimate? It's Comptroller Hagar. Okay, exactly. I'm glad you can tell the difference. Also, <laughs> is that going to be his last public sighting? No, he, the also, he also said this, uh, he, he revealed the revenue estimate on the intro. Did you not hear it? I didn't hear it. Well, well see, too bad. You're going to have to wait till Monday. Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Hi. And p- political reporter Montel Williams. <laughs> shitty talk show watcher Patrick Svita. Also, next week, Ricky Lake will do the other, actually, after that. Speaking of Ricky Lake, I watched her birthing video. Oh, my God. Have You're you seen You're not actually it? kidding? No, she has an incredible, like, drug-free birthing video. I mentioned Ricky Lake, and you had a wow. Ricky Lake story. What was the you chance guys, of that? I mean, she's famous in these, like, birthing communities. Not that I birthed without drugs, but it's a nice goal. It's a perfect transition to Mondo Martinez. <laughs> Wait. All right. If you are tuning in on Facebook, uh, you can send questions about Montel Williams our, our way. In the meantime... We're all going to feel our heads. Everybody feel, feel your head. Your head. Feel your, see if there's a hole in your head. Feel your kepi. You have a hole in your head? <laughs> good use of kepi. That was good. Thanks. I'm hoping that I don't my mother-in-law have a, is I don't watching. have a hole in my head. Uh, all right. So people who did not have a great start to 2017 in order, <laughs> Mondo Martinez, who seconds after the clock struck midnight, realized he had a hole in his head, which is not funny. But he sad. didn't have a couple of seconds before midnight. Right. So brand new l- l- let's just say that had this gone differently, we would not be laughing about it. No, it is but not funny. But since he's recovered, it's hilarious. Right. It's not hilarious. <laughs> It's hilarious that we live. All right. Anyway, All I can think someone tell us. Rich Texan from The Simpsons <laughs> shooting guns up in the air. Yosemite Sid. Yosemite Sid. Right. Uh, okay. So what happened to Mondo Martinez? Someone fill us in. So, I, somebody celebrated I, I New Year's yeah. Eve by uh, or New Year's by uh, firing a gun into the air, and what goes up must come down. And what came down landed on Mondo Martinez's head. He said he felt a thump. It, there were different versions of this. The first story was, I felt something, and then a later version was, I felt something that felt like a sledgehammer. Anyway, Ooh. something on the top of his head, and he looks at his wife and says, what's going on up there? And she says, there's a hole in your head. To go to the hospital, they take a bullet out. So now he's sponsoring legislation that would make it illegal to 
fire a gun into the air, which I think is already about pretty much illegal. Some conversation around whether Wait. this is already illegal. So right. I need a few more details. So where was he when this happened? Was it someone in his family who was firing the gun in the air? The d- stories that I've seen seemed a little a light on details. Yeah, it's Other a shame th- we don't have a god darn news organization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <is> right. <laughs> Not no. Um, and also, if you file a, fire a gun into the air, when the bullet comes down, is it like has it lost a lot of velocity? Falls at a falls at a velocity of 132 feet per second per second. Which it's is the only thing I remember from how things fall. <laughs> That's gravity. Yeah, right. But this does, is not the uh, the Indiana's Vtex did not shoot guns they, off on the holidays. Oh no, it's gonna <laughs> Indiana's Vtex, but not the Illinois the not, not a practice of my of my family. But I remember in high school, this was a specific physics lesson. I don't, I don't remember the exact. Uh, it depends yeah. on <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. It depends on the height from which the bullet fell and its mass. But the it turned. It goes up into the air, and then it's all gravity. You know, one of the so problems with this collection of, of people on this panel is what none of us took math. How many people have, on this panel have shot a gun? I, sh- I, I recently I, sh- I shot some guns recently. Why was that? I, I just was in a situation. Somewhere in South Texas, he was shooting a gun. The entire rest it was a social right. test. Towards the ground or toward a person? It was a social recreation. Yeah, it was 12.01 a.m. <laughs> in Westlaco. Here's, here's, my, here's my impression of the social setting in which Vitek shot a gun. Rosenthal, pay your goddamn rent. It was a non-criminal, non-malice I've got to lay this out. Like, what kind of idiots? Non-malice, so it didn't involve Rosenthal. You've got to be a fool to shoot a gun into the air. Yeah, I mean, what kind of fools shoot guns? It's against all the training. It's against common sense. It's just, it's dumb. But people do it all the time. It happens on New Year's Eve yeah, every year. Yeah, It happens on the people. 4th of July every yeah. year. In fact, several people didn't, weren't there stories, in fact, this year that several people in New York State. Yeah, what, you know, what, what made this thing jump into the headlines was state rep in front of his name. I mean, this yeah. does happen. You know, I mean, people shoot guns into the air, the bullets come down, people get hit every year. This isn't just a Texas thing. No, no. We, no, the state rep part actually. Even did, in Virginia. It did catch my eye. <laughs> I, the, the headline I think that I saw it said state rep Martinez shot, and I was like, Ina Minhara's got shot. Wait, yeah. click. Right. And then I was like, no, it's Mondo Martinez. Okay, fine. Crazy. I mean, I, I did spend New Year's Eve, um, you know, doing wheelies on ATVs and setting off fireworks, which are two things known to send people to the emergency room. Yeah. And I have an 11-month-old. Got so a hole in your head for it? I don't have a hole in my head, luckily. How's the 11-year-old? 11-month-old. Sorry. She's got an ear infection. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe they're fireworks. related. You wonder why she vomited in your face on New Year's Day. It's because you had her on an ATV. <laughs> it's true. I actually did drop her off of an ATV. That's for another day. I'll tell her that when she gets a little older. Uh, all right. So um, you just told her now. Yeah. I think she just passed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know you've missed hearing from Patrick Svitek the last two weeks. So, so there's nothing else about Mondo. So we're gonna have well, a, we're gonna have a bill. Yeah, but we're gonna have a bill. But there are questions about whether the bill is necessary. Also, it seems <clears> like that was the ultimate. Um, you know, he filed the bill within like thirty. Seconds of getting shot. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was like from the OR. He was like, uh, and ultimate nice, deflection. Nice here. pivot. He's yeah. not talking about the gun anymore. He's not talking about how dangerous it is out there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a question from Michael on Facebook: Why can we require people to have liability insurance on cars but not on guns? Because the gun lobby is bigger than the car lobby. It's been tried. I mean, it's been proposed. Is that right? Yeah, it's been tried, and you know. Who's, who's liable for it? Um, I think if you shoot a gun into the air and someone is hit, you will find, if they figure out who shot the gun, you will find police on your doorstep. You know, the argument would be so that is the criminal, person who shot criminal the gun, liability. So is this person who shot the gun potentially at risk? Yeah, you shot somebody. I bet it's one of his relatives and he's not going to out them. I mean, that person shot somebody. They caused a bullet to there go into somebody's head, there. and that's generally against the law. 
Yeah. Have you read anything about him looking for the real killer? No. Searching for the man who shot my boss. <laughs> right. Exactly. For the man who put a bullet in my head. Yep. All right. Can I move on now from this this criminal incident to uh, another criminal incident, and that is Trump's selection of someone to be his ag secretary, but we don't Not know. Not criminal yet. No. So we've had all these. We've had a, a number of Texans in the running. Sounds like Susan Combs was up there for like a hot minute or over there for a hot minute. Yeah. What's the latest? Sounds like it was a cold minute. Yeah. So over the yeah. course, I think, of the last uh, few weeks, there have been f at least four Texans who've been mentioned as candidates for agriculture secretary. Trump hasn't made the decision yet. Um, Name them. Sid Miller, the current agriculture commissioner, was a Trump loyalist during the campaign. Pretty obvious. Um Fake news named to be in the mix, at least. Named he, to be in. He got an yeah. he got an interview, but not with the principal, right? Yeah, and of these four people, he's the only one who actually who met with senior staff instead of Trump himself or, or Ooh, Mike Pence. Low blow. Um, so read into that what you will. The three others are uh, Elsa Morano, the former president of Texas A&M University. She worked in the at the U.S. Department of Agriculture under George W. Bush. And who still did she a, get to meet with? She's still a prop at A&M, right? Mm -hmm. And yes. she uh, she met with Trump himself at Mar-a-Lago over the holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also we have uh, Henry Bonilla, who is, um, he I think is the most recent name to kind of come up in this process, former Texas congressman, Republican congressman from- Was a, t was a TV anchor, am I right? From San right. Antonio. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, he actually, rep you know, we would talk about the 23rd district. I believe he was the last person to really hold on to that district for a really long time. And then right. after, after him is when it started swinging back and forth, just mm -hmm. a- Fun piece of it got it got redrawn <laughs> right. a little bit, but yeah, of right. trivia there. And then, as you mentioned, Susan Combs is the other person. She's the former comptroller. Before that, she was the Texas Agriculture Commissioner. She one of Sid Miller's predecessors. Um, she uh, an met actual rancher. Yeah, raised on a right. ranch. Second largest she landowner, yeah. landowner in Brewster County, I believe. And she met a number of weeks ago in Washington with Vice President-elect Mike Pence, and then recently, over I believe over the holidays, or right before the holidays, she went to Florida to meet with Trump himself. So these four Texans, it seems, in the mix, some of them maybe more in the mix than others, um, but there have been reports in recent days that his leading candidates for this job are not any of the Texans. There's one report that said that um, former California Lieutenant Governor, I think his name is Abel Maldonado, is the leading candidate. Mm -hmm. And then there was one saying that uh, former Georgia Governor Sonny Perdue is a leading candidate. So we could end up with no, no check, Texans. Check out the big brain on Svitek. He yeah, got all this well, stuff with no, with no yeah. notes. He gets alerts on all these things. I mean, so what does it mean? <clears throat> You're that dropping an Abel Maldonado reference. <laughs> You're definitely doing <laughs> right. it right. It sounds so, like, I read that Susan Combs was there for like, you know, 10 minutes. Or yeah, something. you know, it's hard to read the tea leaves on a lot of these things. You know, what does it mean, you know, that a meeting was short or, you know, right. uh, you know, I think it does say something, though, when they're summoned to meet with Trump versus just Trump's senior staff. You know, I, I have half a mind to ask if if sh this is vengeance on Trump's part, if they brought Susan Combs up so that he, like Lucy Van Pelt, right. could pull the football. Susan Combs was a pretty loud complainer about Trump during the campaign. Right. Although at Trumpfest said, you know, I'm voting for him and I think he's better for, for yeah, the country Yeah, but she wrote a not particularly kind column and, in the town hall blog in which she talked yeah. about Trump as the wrong kind I mean, of conservative. Yeah, Rick Perry called him a cancer on conservatism and Rick well, Perry's true. in the cabinet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just don't know at this point in the process how much that matters to him. Right. Um, I mean, I'm sure he, he's Donald Trump. He still holds his grudges and everything. But I don't, I don't know for people like Susan Combs whether he, he's really factoring also, her past criticism in. I mean, he, he needs some binders full of women right now. And Hispanics. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it really is a very white male cabinet. And it's, you know, Goldman Sachs is apparently the cherry on the Sunday of this cabinet. Or right. Four or five people in a 
right. senior mm-hmm. position from Goldman Sachs. He needs diversity in the cabinet. And so the interesting thing about yeah. Maldonado, his name, Maldonado's yeah. name has come up and Bonilla's name have come up, not yeah. coincidentally, because the cabinet is yeah. right now lacking any Hispanic. Henry Bonilla, too, is an interesting person. He was on uh, Trump's National Hispanic Advisory Council, which, if you recall, there were, I believe, six Texans who were, on, who were part bolt, of that group. Right? He didn't bolt. And he didn't bolt. But there was after that big immigration speech uh, Trump gave in Arizona, um, the, at least one of those Texans bolted. Jacob Monty, from mm-hmm. the immigration lawyer from Houston, he was like, I'm right. out. You know, I can't do this anymore. We actually, I tried actually to reach all of those, the five other people after that. I got in touch with some of them. Some were seemed a little uneasy. I never got through to Henry Bonilla, though. It seemed like he kind of just stayed bunker, quiet right? and yeah. stayed the course. Um, so, yeah, he, he's an interesting figure to be considered in that right. context. Um, a question on Facebook from Dan. You know, should we read anything into the timing of selecting cabinet positions? Uh, he's suggesting, you know, it's a slow pace. Is it a slow pace? No. It's it, only it's, ag and VA left, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it actually seems like this has just been sort of more highly publicized than previous yeah, years Yeah, I think that, that may be the psychological effect that, you know, Usually this is all behind the scenes and very private. People aren't being paraded in front of the president-elect and the vice president-elect like Trump and Pence are doing. So maybe it seems like it's a long process. But I think by most historical markers, I don't know the exact data here. He's but not behind. Well, it's, it's not been, behind. It's been eight behind. years since we've done this exercise, since we've had an incoming yeah. administration <clears throat> yeah. you know, setting their things. And, you know, there was – there's always this round of speculation and there's always this, they're ahead, they're behind, you know. Whatever. You know, the confirmation right. hearings are beginning, actually, next week. Yeah, right. question on yeah. this, right. actually, Before, on before Trump's even sworn in. So. Um, from Denise, uh, will Perry have to go through formal confirmation, or is he just the energy guy? Oh, no, he, he has to be, he has to be right. confirmed by the Senate uh, Energy and Natural Resources Committee, mm-hmm. I believe. They haven't set a confirmation uh, hearing date yet for him. I believe right. the other Texan, Rex Tillerson, who's been nominated to be Secretary of State, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee has set a January 11th confirmation hearing. Which is next Tuesday. Uh, at least according to reports that I see. Next Wednesday. Wednesday. Right, right. You know, there was also the other thing that happened in the last week as we were together last was the the Democrats put out a list of the – it was reported. I don't know if they mm-hmm. put out a list, but it was reported by somebody that the Democrats had a list of the cabinet nominees that they intended to give a hard time to, the ones they were going to rough up. Right. Yeah. And Tillerson was on that list, but Perry was not. Yeah, I suspect yeah. he's not going to have a very Why hard time. Why would you put out a list? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. What the hell? Well, I think it was the reporter, you know, kind of compiled it based on his own, you know, work. Right. I don't Research. know if Democrats necessarily <laughs> <laughs> yeah. news release. Here's, yeah, right. blast. Here's These are the people yeah. who are going to bother. <laughs> yeah. But I yeah. thought it was interesting that Perry yeah. was not on that because he was either perceived as not controversial or just or a generic R. Well, or less, or less controversial. Than, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. Secretary of State's a big deal, right? Uh, the Jeff Sessions thing is going to be a big deal. The, yeah. the Tillerson thing is going to be a big deal. There's some fights here, and Perry might be a fight, but it might in, in – Well, his job description has the words re- nuclear and stockpile in them. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, we're going to change it to nuclear <laughs> in this administration. <laughs> right. Nuclear. Uh, yes. Uh, all right. Well, just a reminder, if you're tuning in on Facebook, that you can send questions our way. Um, Let's talk about something else that is starting next week, and that is our the favorite six months, five months Ugh. of hopefully five months of every other year, and that is the upcoming legislative session. Woohoo! Nothing, nah, <laughs> you know, Volkswagen be... pulls up at the ca- front <laughs> of the Capitol and 181 clowns get out. Is that what it is? I didn't call the, everyone listening. That was yeah. Evan calling you clowns. They, don't get, they <laughs> don't get center stage. It's like stage the nicest thing year. they've been called today. <laughs> it's so weird. They don't get center stage. I mean, everybody's going to be watching, including probably the 181 members of the legislature, the Trump administration for the first six months of the year. I think the Texas legislature is going to have to, you know, it's going to be a sidecar at best. They don't have a giant single pressing issue Just in front of them. They've got some big issues and, and they've got some things that they they've got some big issues and some things they have to settle. But there's not like a giant, you know, 
headline crisis, you know, school finance crisis or prison crisis or um, that. Evan's raising his I hand. I disagree. Like to speak. Well, I, I, I think you're a fight promoter. I, I am. I think the revenue estimate is actually going to be interesting. Oh my God. I think the revenue estimate is going to be interesting, and I think that the amount of money that is available for them to spend, when you consider that there's going to be less money available this time by some magnitude, billions less, a couple billion less than last time, and you have the designated money for the transportation uh, fund that comes off the right. top because of the ballot initiative. I actually think the number that we see as the available amount of money to spend is going to be slightly startling when you consider the priorities that this legislature is going to have to tackle the, and the big ticket items that are only getting bigger as the days go on. Well, the number only matters in terms of, you know, what programs or services you cut. But what are you doing now? And that's down the line. And it kind of depends on what they do. There's well, a lot of stuff that they can push off to the side. They can, for example, say, we're going to have a bunch of changes probably – in Medicaid coming out of whatever Congress and the Trump administration do with the Affordable Care Act and with what they're talking about. That's going to take two, so two let's, years, probably. So, you know, if you're a legislator and you're short some money, you can say, look, let's short sheet the second year of that and see what they do, and we can come back and fix it. Do you think it's enough? There's enough available in I do. trickery and, yes. and such? It's not really trickery. I mean, it's basically just saying this is a really uncertain thing, so let's don't put all our eggs in that basket. Yeah. Let's put our eggs in the certain baskets, and then we'll come back around. What's the board of security? They've done it, they've done it a lot of times. What's the board of security spend going to be? Before we get into specifics, let's talk about the revenue estimate. I mean, what are your estimations for what kind of numbers the comptroller is going to come out with? Uh, you know, I don't know what he's going to say about, um, you know, the, the, the big asterisk here is going to be what he says about Oil revenue. Oil revenue. And, He's you know, been a gloomy gus about well, this. Well, I know, but what is but what's the number? What what number are you going to put on and this? It's what number like are you going to put on and if and if the if you think that oil and gas is going to continue to uh, lag, what do you think it's going to do to all the related stuff? Real estate, you know, people aren't renting office space. What's it going to do to retail sales? How much do you think it's going to dampen your outlook and when you and when you put in that and when you put all of that into numbers and hand it to the legislature and say here's how much money you have to spend which is what the mm -hmm. biennial revenue estimate is here's how much money you have to spend they're going to look at it and go Whew, take some stuff out of the shopping cart right. it's the stuff they take out of the shopping cart if they have to do something like that where the news is and where the actual impact of this I is. really always like the, the politics around the revenue estimate because it is it's so fraught. It's like the price is right. I mean, it's like the showcase showdown on the price is right. Like you have to get as close to the right number without going over right. because if you come in too low, it's really embarrassing. Tell, tell Svitek what the price is right. Svitek <laughs> stayed homesick as a kid for like once or twice probably. Is this true? Actually, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I've yeah. been on the prices right. I think he was watching. You've been on the prices right. Was this all the way around to tell <laughs> us that you've been on the prices right? Uh, <laughs> I slept on the sidewalk <laughs> at Beverly and Fairfax in L.A. to get on like one of the last. You went on the prices right. Yes, David. Who and I was went. Bob Barker the host? It was his last show. That's and, why and I had to sleep outside. Were you a contestant? I was. I, I didn't get up on stage. Have to dress as a giant celery or something. Was being in the audience. That's you have the chance of getting on stage. I didn't. It could happen. Anyway, or washer dryer. It is, you know, it's because wasn't it Susan Combs who was pretty far under? No, she she. Oh, she, oh wait, she I thought missed we were still talking about the. the she prices, missed the right? revenue <laughs> estimate by eight billion dollars. She was rounding Yeah, she right. was. She was. Yeah, she was way under. And the right. legislature, you know, they came back. They cut uh, the in public fact, education number because of that revenue estimate. In, in fact, on stage, you had uh, Tommy Williams and Jim Pitts on stage afterwards. The finance and appropriations chairman, mm -hmm. respectively, at the time, say, "Yeah, we wouldn't have made these if, cuts if you to public education." Right. The number had been right. Can, which we had the right public number. Education, right. No. So you can pin those things on the. So you know, I think if I'm Hager, you know, your knees are shaking. Except. 
the last time, but this is the point. The last time Hager did a revenue estimate that presumed that the price of oil would be 65 would, in the first year and 75 70. in the second year, I believe. Would average that. Average right. it. And it didn't get close. And he had to come back once, if not more than once, and, and reproject. And I think the right. problem is – so the politi- I think the political question you're asking is interesting. And Ross, having been a former employee of the Comptroller's Office some years ago, probably understands ago, this right. from the inside as well as the outside – that you can ask whether the controller is effectively like the mob accountant mm-hmm. right. for the state. Tell me what the number you want is, and I'm right. going to tell you I have one set of books over here. The reality is that this legislature wants to spend less because the disposition politically of this legislature is to spend less. So a lower revenue estimate is not bad for this legislature. It's good. And from Hager's perspective, it would be better to miss under than it would to miss the oh. only, Unless they're creamed yeah. on if issues you, like the only you problem know, missing, child welfare. The problem with missing under is the Combs case. Right. But most yeah, of the, you can't most miss of the time, by $8 billion under. Most right. of the time right. you want to miss by under. The big miss over was Bullock when oil fell apart in the 80s. And yeah. he had to go back to the legislature and say, all that money I told you you were going to have, you know, the, the you're number, not going to have. The number of conversations with legislators that I've had leading up to this session in which I've asked the question point blank, do you think there's going to be more money for public education? And the answer is no. It's not exactly right. a sing-song no, but it's a pretty flat no tells me that that's one of the big ticket items that may we may be assuming they need a lot of money for that conceivably they're going to go, no, sorry, I can't. Well, so this is a weird sort of, you know, the tectonic plates here, right? The legislature has lowered state spending on public education by about 340 bucks per student over yeah. the last 10 years, and the load has gone to local schools. So mm-hmm. this legislature comes in, Dan Patrick, Paul Betancourt, and a lot of other conservatives have said we, we've got to get control of local property taxes, the biggest component of those is school property taxes. The easiest way to lower those is to increase state spending or to cut education spending. So either they're going to cut education spending overall or they're going to lower state spending, which puts more pressure on local school districts to raise rates. They've got countervailing. They're not going to raise. They're not, I don't think that the answer is going to be spending. I don't think they're going to raise spending. Money here. No, I don't think no. they're going to raise spending, but I think that it's going to be difficult to say stop raising local spending while we're doing this. And then not taking the blame for so lowering spending on public education. You don't education. spend more on public ed. You don't want to spend more on higher ed because everybody thinks that higher ed is not spending the money they're getting now officially mm-hmm. enough. Right. And you're going to kind of take a hit the brakes on health care because you don't know what's happening in Washington. The, the tr- then the next place that I'm telling you where they're going to stop spending money is on board security. Well, that's they have an opening to do that by Trump saying, you know, well, the federal government is you know, right. going to take control of this situation. I mean, but how are they going to do that before they see what Trump is spending? Well, what they're not going to do—they're going to have to. They're not yeah. going to agree to the DPS request, which, mm-hmm. as I understand it, you may know this. It's about eight. Haven't they come back and said they want more than a billion? Well, mm-hmm. they—you know—they sort of hinted at a billion too, and now they're—you know—the number in the current budget is eight hundred. Um, the state's position has always been, you know, from the governor down, has been, you know, we're covering this, but this is really a federal expense that the feds ought to pay. Mm-hmm. The question—the thing with writing a budget is always the same: what can you cut in a budget? What can you skimp on in a budget without? any political damage. And there's always some place where they reckon incorrectly. The current version of that is child protective services and foster care. They made a bet that they could spend less there, that they could uh, not put more money into caseworkers and into caseworker salaries and all of that kind of stuff. And the people depending on those services got stung. And more importantly, for budget writing purposes, the people in politics got stung Mm -hmm. as a result. Right. Uh, we have about a million questions on Facebook, so I better address some of them before. They want to know more about your appearance on the prices, right? Uh, yes, they're all asking. Um, so uh, Tyler Norris asks, will there be major committee chair changes in the House and Senate? And if so, who? 
Um, in the Senate, I don't really, I haven't heard much there. There's only a couple of new members of the Senate. Um, Brian the big, Hughes, yeah, Boris Miles, and mm-hmm. Don Buckingham, right? The big one that everybody's watching in the House is appropriations and who's going to get the job, uh, John Otto's leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, who's going to get um, public well, what, education? So let's, let's, let's recklessly speculate about that. Darby and Zerwas are the names that get mentioned the most. Drew Darby from San Angelo and um, John Zerwas from Houston. Zerwas um, notably Houston was, area, Pasadena, right? was for f- for Medicaid expansion, finding right. a, sol- a Texas As solution As were the hospitals there. and all the doctors' associations. Right. Um, Is Darby considered to be more conservative than Zerwas, or Zerwas more conservative than Darby? Mm. You know. All Not no. You'd have to ask Mark Ross Jones. struck speechless for the well, first time. Well, I just, you know, I hadn't known. thought about it that way. I mean, yeah. it's sort of who can who can get this through the House and the Senate. Let with me the ask. Least another, let me ask right. another way: Are the people who don't particularly cotton to Strauss's version of conservatism going to be more happy with Darby or Soros? I, I think Darby. they're both Strauss guys. So I'd that's so. The answer is bad. The answer is ne- n- neither. The House is the House. I mean, you're going to get yeah. you know the the appropriations chair, whoever it is, is going to be an expression of the House leadership. So Darby is currently the chair of the. Now you're messing with Energy me. Resources that's, Committee. That's so far back in the rearview Isn't that correct? Darby is chair of the Energy Committee. I don't, I don't know committee. that one. Yeah. Bonin is, is chair of Ways and Means. Ask on right. Facebook. Bonin is chair of Ways and Means. Yeah. Great. So Bonin stays. Presumably. Probably. Bonin stays. But, you know, this is one of those things where I think Strauss is actually telling the truth when you ask him, and he says, I haven't really decided yet. I think he hasn't really decided yet. Oh, hell, he's known that Otto and, and uh, Acock weren't coming back for months. Yeah, but I don't know that he's made a final decision on who's coming in. Who's chair of education? Well, you know, the names that get listed, I, you know, Hubert is the only one that I can um, pop up, but there's a couple of other no, names. No, Ken in the mix King's there. name pops up, Ken, right? Ken King, sorry. Right. Um, yeah. Again, I, you know, you could go, you know, there's a way to argue either one of them. One of them is a rural West Texan, one of them is a, you know, former school board president. I know. Well, he was on the board member. On the humble I, uh, ISD. Darby right. is the energy resources. He is energy resources. Yep. Um, yeah. So, you know, as soon is as they Ken swear King, in, can I ask? Is Ken King a player? His name's up for public education. Yes. Is he a player though? Has he, hasn't he been, been a player? Has he, he been a material no. member of the legislature going back to the time he was elected? Uh, he's, he's not he furniture. Hasn't, he hasn't been in there long enough to I don't know if he is or isn't to um, consider disuse as a as a slight. You know, I mean, it's not like he's been there for twelve years and hasn't done anything. He's been there for four years and hasn't done. A lot. He's, you know, learning the, learning the ropes. And I think, you know, they think enough of him that you hear his name mentioned for one of their most important committees. Yeah, he's a player. So what's so then if there are going to be or apt to be cuts, what's going to be cut? Because it seems like we're pretty lean yeah, already. The, the problem with the state budget, you know, we talk about this in various forms all the time. The problem with the state budget is that they don't control most of it. And what they really are right, hoping so for is a structural change at the federal level in health and human services spending so that the state will be less bound by mm-hmm. federal formulas. And, you know, they're talking about block grants. You know this area mm-hmm. more, than, right. more than anybody. But they're, they're trying to find some way to free themselves from the restrictions that come along with health and human services. Part of the reason health and human services is going to be more expensive than public education is because the way these pressures have worked, they've cut their public education spending, right. in effect, and let health and human services go up. If they kind of... Yeah. Been free to do it. I think public ed would still the, be the biggest part of the budget. The thing is, it's it's a big gamble both on border security and on health care because you just don't know how long it's going to take Trump to unravel any of the existing scenarios. I mean, yeah, I, mean I think that's two a, years yeah. is I mean, all the the Medicaid conversations, all the health Obamacare conversations yeah. I've seen are like it's going to be at least a year before anything changes and maybe two. Right. So yeah. what cuts can you make in the state budget 
with the least political damage. Yeah, right. It's going to be the calculation that they're right. making the whole yeah. session. Mm -hmm. A big question, yeah, like you said, a big question mark in our discussion is, is how long it's going to take to get clarity from the federal government on how much they're going to be unwinding or right. retooling some of these mm -hmm. programs that we're waiting to see at the state level. And I think it's, as we've said before, it's not going to, that clarity is not going to perfectly line up with our legislative right. session. Uh, in a few more minutes here, we have questions on Facebook and uh, about um, an article that basically questioned whether it was, I think, an AP article that questioned whether uh, Patrick was starting to angle to a, a potential 2018 challenge to Abbott. I saw both you, Patrick, and Evan sort of, you know, poo-pooing this idea on social media over the weekend. What's the latest? Is there any movement here? Is there anything new on this front? No. Right. I don't think so. I mean, you know, there's the natural tension as everybody lines up their their priorities and you look at the session and you sort of say, you know, the three big pieces going into any session are the governor, the lieutenant governor and the speaker. Where are they? Where are they aligned? You know, politically, who stands to gain the most? Blah, 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 blah. But at this point, this is purely speculative. Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I, the headline the, the was like, you was, know, yeah, well, the, yeah. AP doesn't always write the headlines. Sometimes it's the people who carry the story that write the headlines. But we all know, you know. that editors make poor decisions <laughs> in, in their in headlines. In any case, though, yeah. I think that um, had people... the headlines <clears throat> twice. This story is run with headlines not written by the author. Will Weissman yeah. is off the hook. Mm -hmm. But the Dallas, uh, not the Dallas, the Denton Record Chronicle, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and then the Associated Press's own headline, which again I'm assuming Will did not write, made this into a possible race. Right. When it's, I think there's the zero is, chance. Is it a fight? Right. I mean, and, and to be fair to the headline writer, that was the question asked by the story. Is this going to be a fight? Right. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know that it is. Yeah. I mean, like Ross said, I think if there's any reason why all of a sudden it's being written about right now or, or why it's, it's a, you know, more heightened speculation than usual is maybe just because of what Ross called the natural tension uh, between priorities ahead of a session. Obviously, there are some issues where many issues where, you know, Dan Patrick has been more out in front and more aggressive than the, the other of the, the two big three. Mm -hmm. So maybe do, that's why it's getting... I mean, do we have point. any strong sense yet of what Abbott's big priorities are for the session? And you, you were at a sit-down with him. No, not really. I mean, right now, the, the you know, the official line is basically wait for state of state. Of the state. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he has right. talked about issues that he thinks are more important than others heading into this session, obviously. Uh, CPS, uh, you know, sanctuary cities. Um, but as far as, you know... He certainly hasn't debuted a list of priorities like Dan Patrick has, um, and he certainly hasn't been as aggressive on some issues as Dan Patrick has. So I think right now we just have to wait until State of the State. Yeah, I think the big active, aggressive package is the one that uh, Patrick's forwarding. Mm -hmm. um, what time do the what, what what point do the emergency items? What time in the calendar do the emergency items? Whenever happen? the governor says. Yeah, I'm, there's not a precedent. Well, the, for um, the the emergency thing this is basically status that the governor gives a bill that he wants the House and Senate to consider before the within the first 60 days. So somewhere between now and the eyes of March, basically. And yeah. generally, I feel like they often get laid out in the state of the state. I will be right. calling for right. X, Y, Z. And that usually right. happens right. last week, second to last week, last week of January. I right. Think, right. The other thing that could enter into this is just an emergency item. I'm not predicting this, but it wouldn't be a surprise if he very early in the session, like the first or second day, said, um, I want this much money spent on Child Protective Services. Mm -hmm. He's made it a big... Um, administrative priority during the interim uh he's you know uh had his people all up in health and human services get mm -hmm. this fixed get this fixed um and i wouldn't be surprised to see him say get some money over there take care of this and take care of this and i'll come back with more emergency items later 
right? Right. I mean, I thought David McSwain had a story in the Dallas Morning News over the holidays at some point about how, you know, the number of kids in CPS custody who are dying continues to grow. Right. You know, right. pinned it on Abbott pretty high. I had Abbott well, staff said, saying said, said specifically, the, things yeah. have gotten worse since Abbott designated right. this a priority. Yeah. Right. Was the McSwain story. Right. I mean, he's going to be on the hook for getting that sorted out pretty quick. Right. So. Yeah. All right, well, that's all the time we have. If you have questions, you can email us at tribcast at texastribune.org. Uh, thanks to Shiny Ribs, as always, for doing our music. And on behalf of Evan, Ross, Patrick, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Oh, please.